Welcome all sports fans, everyone across the nation listening to wherever you may be. I don't care if you're on your couches, I don't care if you're at work, I don't care if you're driving in your car. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode 9, season 2 of the Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton, and we're going to break down the NFC and AFC Championship Games, the recaps, and also... When it's all said and done, we knew that Zion Williamson was coming back to play somewhere in this season. It was uh, Wednesday against the Spurs, and we're going to break down and talk about his great fourth quarter and how he uh, basically you know, stumped his way into the game, showed who, who he's going to be, and, and that's going to be a force to reckon with pretty much. But we'll break all that down in just more. So thank you guys for joining Uneducated Sports Talk. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. Uh, and uh, you want to check out the podcast, Uneducated Sports Talk? I'm also on Spotify, I'm on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Marlon Washington, what's up, baby boy? Marlon's in the building. Also, I'm on Facebook Live, if you guys cannot, uh, if all my fans on the podcast listen, I do Facebook Live with this for some videos as well. This is the one of the videos I'm doing Facebook Live, so if you hear me talking out of character or talking to certain people, yeah, I'm actually talking to people on Facebook Live as well, so I appreciate you guys for uh, taking the time to listen out to myself. Let's break it down, man. So we had basically the NFC and the AFC championship matches. We're gonna start with the AFC, where it was, te- uh, excuse me, where it was, uh, it was the ah, Chiefs versus the Titans, and that was a great matchup, man. So we're gonna break that down in just a minute. Let me go ahead and find my stuff first. So yeah, we had the uh, Tennessee Titans facing the Kansas City Chiefs. And this was a matchup of uh, strengths versus weaknesses. And it's pretty much been like that for Tennessee the whole entire playoffs, pretty much. Tennessee comes in after victories over Stiller, the best offense, Baltimore, the best defense, New England. Now you're coming into Kansas City, who's kind of like behind them, behind New England and, and uh, behind New England and... Baltimore in pretty much both categories. Talking about offensively, there's a notch below Baltimore when it comes out to statistics. And then there are a notch below uh, New England when it comes out to defense. So you, I would not blame anyone if they actually chose Tennessee to win this match because the way things were going is you had to stop Derrick Henry, but that's easier said than done. Kansas City did, and that's why they won 35-24. to A great matchup. Especially in the beginning of the game, you saw where Tennessee controls the game. And uh, <laughs> Andy Reid, you feel good for a guy like Andy Reid to finally not, not get the muck out the back because this is this, this is his third time going to Super Bowl, two as a head coach, one as an assistant. And he's, he's got this big monkey on his back, but at the same time, this is probably his best team and his best chance. Even when he went in with Philadelphia against New England, uh, you kind of had a feeling he was going to win that matchup, even though both teams were kind of even. But this time, he's the upper-hand guy in the playoff, in my opinion. We'll break all that down in just a minute. But Tennessee comes in there, and they're, they're riding high. And they even start the game like gangbusters. 17-7. Derrick Henry's running. He's not running wild, but he's running good. And then you got uh, Ryan Tannehill. Pinpoint passes. He's doing what he needs to do. Uh, hitting third-down conversions. Um... Kansas City basically stumped their foots the first couple of drives 
in the, in that game. Tennessee took advantage, just like it was it was eerily similar to the Texans and the uh, Chiefs game as well, where the Chiefs just they beat themselves, and when they beat themselves, the other teams took advantage. Well, we all know when Kansas City doesn't beat themselves, they cannot be beat, in my opinion. If they don't do drops, if they don't run the right routes, if they do uh, offsides, penalties, that's how you beat yourself. If they don't do that, Kansas City is the best team uh, top to bottom uh, coming out into the Super Bowl. They don't hurt themselves. But when they do, teams can take advantage of it. And that's why a team like uh, um, Houston went up 24-0. They took advantage of every single mishap. Kansas City had upon themselves. Same thing with Tennessee. Went up 17-7 because of Kansas City's undoing. Drop passes. False starts. Uh, um, you know, just not, not in sync with themselves. Tennessee took advantage. And, boy, if you would have told me Tennessee was up 17-7, and so I believe, I believe it was the first quarter going into the second quarter, maybe the second quarter uh, itself, I would have said, yeah, Tennessee should be able to take control of that game that means that they're up 17-7 in the first quarter. That obviously means the running game is going well. No, it did not. Tennessee, 85 total rushing yards the whole entire game. So you tell me that, and I'm like, well, man, that means they lost that thing because Ryan Tennant, although he's been a major spark for this team, a major spark, a little notch above Mariota, and he has done very well with this team and the chances he's been given. You knew that if you made Tennessee one-dimensional to the passing game, you got them. And Kansas City was the type of team that they can score at any given second. See, Baltimore is more methodical. They got to work to get it. Kansas City can do it in a minute, 45 seconds. Baltimore has to go you know, three or four minutes, uh, seven or eight plays to get it. Kansas City can score in two plays, 25 seconds. That's the difference. It's called that type of pressure. So... Even if Baltimore went up against Tennessee in that game by three three points, Tennessee was not going to panic. Well, it's different when you're playing against Kansas City, who can score points at will against anybody. Their offense has never been their issue. It's always been their defense. So they know that Kansas City is going to score at least 30 in just about every game they play. So Tennessee was like, the mindset, we got to score 31 points. Or we got to be in the 30s with Kansas City. And once you start giving up scores... Going up 17-7, once you saw it was 17-14, once you saw they were down 21-17, they were a completely different team. Because now you give Kansas City that momentum, and they're not hurting themselves, they're going to definitely hurt you. And Tennessee felt that, hey, Tannehill did well, 21-31, 209 yards, two touchdown passes. So he, he did his thing, but it was Derrick Henry's 19 carries for 69 yards that limited them to what they can do. Because now, once the running game, and it only takes a second. That's the, that's the problem with a uh, a running team. It's, that's the sort of problem because when you're when there's eight or nine guys in the box and they're stopping the run, and you cannot convert on third downs passing wise, that's tough. If you're if they're stopping the run and it's third and six and third and seven instead of third and one, third and two, that's when running teams have a problem. So I mean, yes, that is a great thing to bring on the road. A great thing to bring to the playoffs, a run game and a defense. We understand that. But that means you have a necessary uh, uh, problem on offense for the passing game. So once you have to start going to that pass, because it's much easier 
to stop a running game if you, you know mindset. So what you're what you're giving up, you know what you're giving up. You're giving up uh, uh space. You're giving up a lot of one on ones. But if you can stop that run game and contain it, and then kind of put Tennessee in that passing mindset, which Kansas City did, Kansas City starts taking over. We all know that they set up the run by passing, when most teams set up the pass by running. Kansas City passed the ball. Tennessee doesn't have a vaunted defense. And let's be honest, when they faced the Patriots, they, they, they weren't the best offense. When they faced Baltimore, they're a methodical offense. Kansas City is a wild offense. They are There's fire, speed everywhere. And once they get going, they cannot stop. Once Tennessee felt like that Kansas City could score anytime they wanted, well, they started to panic. And we saw the panic in Tennessee. And I mean, when when they score, it doesn't stop. It's like an avalanche. And now you have to change your whole entire uh, uh, process, your whole entire philosophy. Because now instead of running Derrick Henry on uh, first down automatically, you're going to go play action now. Even though you're down by a touchdown, Kansas City isn't going to respect the run anymore because now they know that you fear their passing attack. And that is what happened, man. Kansas City can do that to any team in the NFL. Make them one-dimensional very quickly. And Houston, 24 nothing lead. Kansas City came back to take the lead in the next quarter. That tells you how dangerous this offense is. And they needed, once again, another spark plug, something fiery. Can we talk about Pat Mahomes while I'm thinking about fiery, a spark plug? Pat Mahomes right now, I'm telling you, if he continues this type of play, he is going to wind up being the greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback right now. He's, he's not the greatest quarterback right now, but right now, uh, if, if things continue to go this way for the next 10 to 15 years, and we look back at it, he's going to be the greatest quarterback ever. It's almost like this guy from day one, and I'm talking about last year when he started, he has not been phased by anything. I promise you, every time Kansas City has lost, it has not been Pat Mahomes' uh, fault. It has been the defense's fault. It's been uh, drops or something. It has been somebody doing something. It's not Pat Mahomes' fault. He is unfathomable. You can't stop this guy. Oh, oh, by the way, he just showed you uh, he has wheels, too. Eight carries, 53 yards, one touchdown. And can we talk about that crazy 27-yard touchdown right before the first half ended, which basically put the nail in the coffin, in my opinion, to Tennessee pretty much early. It was just done after that to go up 21-17, uh, to I believe, to uh, basically to in, in the half. I mean, in the first half. Tennessee was 17-7, and you feel like, boy, one drive that stalls for Tennessee is their downfall. And if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm pretty sure you felt that way. If you're a guy like myself, you felt that way. It works with Baltimore because they're methodical at offense. It works with New England because they're just not a good offense. It doesn't work with Kansas City. 17-7 is chump change. You basically had to be perfect. Or you, you had to always set up drives to where you had a, a great field goal chance at, at the least. And we all knew that one drive that did not happen. Well, guess what? Kansas City is going to take advantage of that. And they, t they did it very quick. Tyreek Hill, uh, five catches, six, seven yards, two touchdowns. And hello to Sammy Watkins. Uh, seven catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown to go for the day. What a great show for Samuel Walker. We hadn't seen him since, I don't know, week one of the NFL season. I, I know that I had him in my fantasy squad right after that week one. Uh, uh, shellacking he put on the Jaguars, I believe. So, uh, welcome back, Samuel Walker, to the NFL.
<laughs> but Pat Mahomes, 23 out of 35, 294 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a rushing touchdown. Is a man possessed. This guy is just on another level when it comes up from quarterback uh, artistry. It's just amazing to see what he's doing. The man makes the right play just about every time. He uh, whether it's running the ball, uh, uh, scrambling, whether it's throwing to the checks down or not. That was his undoing last year. He wasn't a check down kind of guy. This year, plenty of uh, check down. Uh, um, the running back uh, got into it uh, this game, uh, catching out the backfield. I believe he had five catches. So uh, you know, I like what I'm seeing with Pat Mahomes. But the thing about Kansas City is their defense. And that has not been talked about enough. If you see the last about six games of the season, they're only giving about 11 points per game. The best in the NFL. Yes, I said the best in the NFL. And this Kansas City team is just looking outstanding. Uh, if their defense is playing the way they're playing, they're going to be a tough out in the Super Bowl. I promise you that. Um, and I, I would you know, kind of make them the favor, but we'll talk about that later on in life. Uh, and why their defense is so well Tyron Matthew has come to this team and he has changed their mindset. They're more physical. They it's almost like you know goons. If you don't know the term goon, it's a hockey word, a hockey term, and it's a street term too. Goons is pretty much the guys that got your back that's gonna protect you, and they're the guys that do all the dirty work. Goons in hockey, they, they come in there, the guys that just fight all the time. They, well, these guys have goons on this Kansas City team thanks to Tyron Matthew. He came in and gave him an attitude, a swagger that was much needed in Kansas City. Now they're not just this soft team that's all about offense and give up 35 points uh, uh, when, when the offense scores 34. Chris Jones is in the middle. He's come back a little healthy now. This team has some bite, some some grit to it. Uh, their linebacker uh, core is looking pretty uh, damn good as well. Sorensen has just been flying everywhere on defense. So I'm really excited to see this Kansas City team. They deserve this win. Andy Reid deserved this win. Uh, all of Kansas City, they have not been Super Bowl since 1969. That's a 50-year drought. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are in the Super Bowl. They're in the building. So um, all KC fans are going to stand up and uh, be excited. And I'm happy to see those guys actually get to the Super Bowl. Much deserved. I mean, Tyron Matthew has those boys going in. Chris Jones is doing well. Uh, like I said, Sorensen is doing. So they got guys on every single level. Uh, a playmaker on every level. Uh, and I like that from Kansas City. It wasn't like that the last three or four years. Even when Alex Smith took them uh, to the playoffs just you know, two years ago, they didn't have that defense. Their defense was sketchy. Well, now the defense is on par, with the, not with the offense, but they're on par with the rest of the NFL, basically a, a, a decent defense. And when they get going, and if they get a lead, those edge rushes they have with uh, Terrell Suggs going back there now uh, to pair up with Chris Jones, those guys are coming for any. Body. So, uh, Kansas City, they took out Derrick Henry. That was the main goal. If we could take out Derrick Henry, we will win this game. When I tell you Derrick Henry, 19 carries, 69 yards, and he got a majority of those in the first half. But once the lead evaporated, and once they got down by, I'm not talking like down by four, that 21 to 17, it set the example. It showed, it, it, it showed Tennessee, it showed their panic. Down by four. You don't panic like that down by four against a Patriots team of this year or against a Baltimore team that's methodical. They have to have good drives. They don't have those really huge explosive plays. Uh, not always, you know. They do, but not always. Uh, so you didn't panic. You panic against Kansas City. When they get the lead, you panic because you know if you don't score, guess what? There's a great chance Kansas City is going to score again. 
I felt that with Tennessee. Tennessee felt that. Hey, but congratulations also to the Titans for making it this far. Mike Vrabel, I said it all along. They have embodied this man's spirit. He was that linebacker that wasn't talked about, wasn't fast enough, wasn't strong enough, but he was always there, and he was always there when you needed him on the football field. He was the guy that did all the dirty work. Tennessee's a dirty team, but in a good way. Uh, respect to them. These guys, if they get a, a full offseason with Ryan Tannehill, they will be a, a force to reckon with. Oh, and by the way, Derrick Henry might be the first running back to get paid quarterback kind of money because he definitely earned it. Yes, it was a payday year, uh, you know, but I think that this guy, just being 6'3", 240, and just a bruising back, he's going to be like this for the rest of his career. I mean, you can't. he hurts you. You don't hurt him. Uh, and I've seen that from Derrick Henry now. So Kansas City is moving on to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 in Miami. And who their opponent will be out of Green Bay versus San Francisco. It was play being played at Levi's Stadium. And the San Francisco 49ers are moving on to the Super Bowl as well. But before we get into that, Let's break it down for a little, uh, uh, you no know, advertisement. Hollinsworth Auto Center, 1500 South City Service Highway. Johnny Hollinsworth, hit him up at 337-533-8533 for pre-owned, um, uh, looking, um, great deals. Look, if you want to get riding, you want a cheap deal, hit up Hollinsworth Auto Center. Talk to Johnny Hollinsworth at 337 Five three three eight five three three. He's got a good deal for you guys. Uh, if you want auto repair, if you want auto, uh, uh, take a look at your auto. Hit him up at three three seven five three three eight five three three. That's at fifteen hundred South City Service Highway. That is Hollinsworth Auto Center. Check out my man Johnny Hollinsworth. All right, Kansas City came in there and just straight up balled out against Tennessee. So. We got Kansas City in there. Let's talk about San Francisco with their victory over the uh, Green Bay Packers in a game that was kind of uh, from the start. We kind of felt this. I didn't do a show on the uh, on the uh, preview, but I definitely had Kansas City and San Francisco in there. Uh, I just saw Green Bay all year, and I thought to myself, "That's got to be the worst thirteen and three team like I've seen." They they just don't do any one particular thing great. I'm talking offensively and defensively. Uh, Nene Love, how you doing, sweetie? I appreciate that. Appreciate you uh, checking me out. Appreciate that. Uh, so, Green Bay came in, and I thought they were, they were the worst 13-3 team I've ever seen. If you saw their schedule from top to bottom, I mean, the only really good team they beat was Minnesota. They beat them twice, and Minnesota's not that good of a team. Um... And for those who want to clown me because I'm a Saints fan, yes, that obviously means that we weren't that good either. But we didn't get the lucky break, the bye week that uh, Green Bay got. And then the team they faced was Seattle. And uh, they, you know, obviously took care of business against Seattle. But I, I had Kansas City and San Francisco in this game. But we're going to tell you why. Uh, I know that San Francisco's style of offense, they're going to just power drive anybody and not care. This team runs, runs and runs. Oh, by the way, they're like, you know, six for eight for uh, 69 passing yards total, the 49ers were, and won this game. And the reason why is because they ran the freaking ball a lot. And if you're running it, and like uh, Kyle Shanahan said, why would I 
stop running and pass when the running game is working so well. And I don't I don't get why coaches don't. It's almost like coaches uh uh they want to beat you with the quarterback. I'm not not trying to hop on Dallas, but the Cowboys have had that problem this particular year. They want to show off Dak Prescott so much because of the whole contract deal when you literally had the best running back in the game and Zeke Elliott. Why not run him? And you already paid him. Run him. And, if, and, and run him until the team just literally puts nine and ten in the box. I mean, you got to do that. San Francisco has been doing that all year with numerous running backs. Uh, with Matt Breida, with Robert Moster, and with Tevin Coleman. And these guys have kind of rotated. And each guy's had their time of the season to show off. And this time, it was Robert Moster with 29 carries, 220 uh, rushing yards, four total touchdowns. What a game. Have a game, young man. Um, San Francisco for the whole entire game, 285 rushing yards. They could not be stopped. They ran it and ran it and ran it. And yes, you do not have to be a superstar quarterback to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't happen. We've had the Trent Dilfers, the Rob Johnsons. All those guys are coming in and they've won Super Bowls and not be a star. There was either a great defense or a great run game. I always say that football is the ultimate team sport. So you don't have to be a great quarterback to win. Garoppolo, although he is much better than a Trent Dilfer, he is much better than a Rob Johnson. Uh, he's but he's not this elite, just great slinging back kind of quarterback. No, this is a team effort, and Kyle Shanahan knows if we continue to run the ball, who is going to stop us? A great matchup. We'll break down Kansas City and uh, versus San Francisco uh, our next show. But man, I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be a good matchup. Aaron Rodgers came in. 31 out of 39, 326 yards, two touchdowns, two INTs, a lot of those yards, and, uh, you know, it came in garbage time. Adams, nine catches, 138 yards. You knew that he was coming in, uh, Devontae Adams. You knew he was going to have a, a, a good game because he's pretty much the only offensive threat outside of Aaron Jones, but only receiving threat outside of Jimmy Graham, who isn't that, who, who isn't Jimmy Graham of 2013. He's not that guy anymore. So, uh, Aaron Rodgers did not have weapons, and that's, that's understandable. When your second-best receiver is a guy that ain't last name Lazard that no one knows of, of course you're going to kind of struggle. And then if you stop the running game with Adam, uh, uh, with, uh, with uh, Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, you're going to stop Green Bay. And Matt LaFleur has done a great job this year of changing the culture. Mike McCarthy, now the uh, Cowboys uh, head coach, but when he was in Green Bay, he was pass, 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 pass. It was all about the pass. And they never won because they had a you know a lousy defense and their running game was just, you know it wasn't on par. So they always lost towards the end. A lot of the oldest was on Aaron Rodgers. Well, uh, they made sure that Aaron Rodgers didn't have to have that same pressure the whole entire year. Now it helps that you have an easy schedule. I mean, I saw the schedule, but you got to win the game, so I understand that. So I can't hop too hard on the schedule. But thirteen and three, and you see the schedule, and you oh you see why that schedule. I mean that that record is what it is. Uh, but. They made sure to not put all the oldest on, uh, all the omen on uh, Aaron Rodgers. They did a great job of running Aaron Jones the whole entire year. Uh, did a great job with Jamal Williams as well, uh, kind of coming in, spotting Aaron Jones. They they did a great job on all that. Even that kid Irvin came in, comes in uh, the in the season, and so they they knew who they were. 
run the ball, and let Aaron Rodgers do his thing on third down. And he did it all year pretty much. Um, and they won a lot of close games. They could have lost a lot of games this year. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, and at his best, he's very, very, very good. So you had no problem with close games because you had the quarterback who can do that. But when the games get out of hand, can you have that type of team who can score points consecutively? If you look at the schedule, it wasn't that many times Green Bay scored over 30 points. It wasn't a lot. Outside of that crazy game against Oakland where Aaron Rodgers went off against the Raiders, um, it wasn't much of a great show from Aaron Rodgers or the offense. Uh, passing game, excuse me. Uh, the the run game was was fine. And then when you had great pass rushing, uh, the Smith brothers from the outside, they did a great job of rushing the passers. Uh, so... When they put teams in third and long situations, they came up with, you know, tiny sacks. So I understand that. But when you can run the ball against those guys, I've always said it. I thought Seattle would have did the same thing that San Francisco did. Seattle just, you know, they they don't know who they really, really are these last couple of years. But I figured if Seattle would just run it down Green Bay's throat because Green Bay was very successful to the uh, run the run game, the run defense is very susceptible to uh, big gashes. I've seen it all year where teams just had like big gashes against the uh, Green Bay Packers. San Francisco showed that. And as back-to-back weeks now against Minnesota, great defense. Against Green Bay, a good defense. This team can run the ball. And they have no excuses. They don't care that Jimmy Garoppolo only dropped back eight times to throw the ball. Maybe more than that, but he got sacked, I think, once or twice. They don't care. They're going to run the ball. If it's working, it's going to work. It continues to work. And Green Bay made this game a little interesting towards the end. But you you had a feeling. At halftime, it was 27 to nothing. Uh, the final score being uh, San Francisco 37, Green Bay 20. Uh, at one point, I believe, Green Bay made it uh, a two-score game. Kind of late in the fourth quarter. But all, all together, it was kind of a dud. 27 nothing in the first half. You weren't coming back from that. I don't care. How much hype you had, uh, how much he was thinking about uh, Kyle Shanahan's last time in the playoffs going up big against the Patriots, up 23, and he blew that lead. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, Green Bay showed me why I believe they're the worst 13 3 football team. Not, not going to say the history. I'm pretty sure there's probably a worse team out there. But from my current memory, they were just, they just got lucky breaks pretty much. And to get that bye week was just, you know, a lot of draw, a lot of ties going in there, mixing that. So it was kind of a, you know, mm, it's, it's Green Bay there. You had a feeling they're going to lose this game. It's just a matter of by how much. It's just a matter of uh, how dominant San Francisco is going to be. And they were very dominant in this game. Shout out to San Francisco. No turnovers again. When your quarterback drops back eight times, that's all you need. That's usually a sign of success. Uh, usually in the league, if your quarterback only drops back eight times in today's NFL, that means that running game is eaten, and they've been eating it. Robert Moster is is eaten. Tevin Coleman did go out, I believe, with apparent shoulder injury. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think he might be out for the rest of the season, the way they were talking. So now it's really on Robert Moster and uh, Matt Breida. But Moster has been, man, he's been popping every single run pretty much. He's a hard guy to take down. And we'll talk about Kansas City versus San Francisco in our next episode of an educated sports auto podcast, but man, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited for that. So shout out uh, to San Francisco's defense, Nick Bosa and those guys coming in, and that D-line, they did a great job, and I don't know why teams do not go with this. If you know you're not good and you want to start uh, rebuilding a team, San Francisco did it the right way. 
it starts off with the, the position that basically uh, 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 starts your whole entire program. And that's the both O-line and the D-line. If you focus on that, then you can start putting in pieces because the D-line, if you're the defense alignment, if you're, if you're trying to rebuild and restart a franchise, you got to go defense line because you have to put pressure on the quarterback. You have to stop the run. And that right there will win you a lot of games because your secondary might not all be all that be that good, but your defensive line makes them look good. See, it's not vice versa. There's no secondary in the world that's going to make your D-line look good. Your D-line is going to make your secondary look good. This is how it's always been uh, pretty much in modern-day NFL. Your D-line is going to make everybody else look good because that pressure they put in the quarterback. So... And they have a great offensive line. Running game is nasty. Their protection for Jim Garoppolo is pretty decent as well. I liked what uh, they did. John Lynch and company did with San Francisco to rebuild this program, restart them, uh, and put their blueprint. And they said they wanted to have be a physical defensive line, a physical offensive line, and that is showing. Congratulations to San Francisco. They you know, we saw it. I mean, they hadn't been nothing since basically 2013, uh, or when Kaepernick was there uh, going to the Super Bowl against the Ravens. So we haven't seen anything like that uh, in a while now. So it's always good that San Francisco is. Uh, being talked about in the NFL. The NFL is a lot better when San Francisco actually is good. So, uh, respect Kansas City. Respect to San Francisco. This is going to be a great matchup. We're going to break that down, preview that on our next episode. So, stay tuned for that, guys. Uh, so, uh, this is Uneducated Sports Talk. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. Check out the podcast on uh, Google and Apple Podcasts. Check out on Spotify and iTunes. We will be back talking to Zion Williamson in just a minute for his NBA debut. And war was it a good debut? Be right back, y'all. This is Uneducated Sports Talk. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. Hi, this is Angie Ray from Angie Productions, and you are listening to the Uneducated Sports Talk with Carlos. What's up, guys? I'm Dallas. And I'm Joel. And we are the founders of the IQ Sports Network and co-host of Pro Football IQ, the podcast that breaks down the X's and O's of everything happening this week in football. And as podcasters, we're like you. We love listening to podcasts. And I like to tune in to my main man, Carlos, and listen to what he's got to say on all things current and past sports. So if you're looking to get some unbiased sports opinions on everything happening in sports right now, tune in to Uneducated Sports Talk with Carlos and crew. You don't want to miss a single episode, so make sure to like and subscribe every single week so that you can stay up to date with everything happening right now in sports. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Clayton, and this is episode number nine, season two. Let's get it in. Appreciate you guys listening out, out there. We just broke down the NFC and the AFC Championship games. Congratulations once again to San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs who will be representing their conferences in the Super Bowl 54 in Miami, Florida. It's going to be awesome. So uh, congrats to all the fans of those teams. But we got to talk about a little basketball, and I haven't done that in a minute, man. I'm, I'm excited for this. Zion Williamson. Yes, that big old kid. From Duke, that big old kid from South Carolina, the humbleness from this guy. I'm, I'm in love with this guy as a person and as an athlete. He finally makes his debut against the San Antonio Spurs. He did it Wednesday night, last night. And boy, was it a, a, a great debut. But you had to wait till the fourth quarter pretty much. Uh, this was everything I knew what was going to go in. I knew he was going to play. 
I knew he was going to have a few uh, uh, lapses of being on the bench. I understood that because he's missed 44 games, the first 44 games. So you don't know what type of game shape he is in. He's already had, well, behind the scenes, we don't know if it's true, but he's had issues with his weight, they so say. I don't really see it. I think the guy is going to be that kind of weight the whole entire year. As he gets older, that fatty ass is going to turn into muscle. Uh, we've seen it from all the greats. If they, if they want to be great, they're going to be great. And I think Zion Williamson wants to be great. Uh, but we, 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 I knew that was going to happen. We knew he, he was going to uh, play. We knew it was going to be very limited. Uh, we knew that uh, the crowd was going to be hyped. I mean, they put it from a 7 o'clock Central, Central Time game to 8.30 Central Time, so you knew that they were primetime TV, uh, and you knew that it was going to be rocking in the Smoothie King Center, and Zion Williamson, to his undoing, only played about eight minutes in the first half. That was kind of like Alvin Gentry's way of saying, we'll put you in, but we're not going to make you do anything that you're not successful to do. I thought that was the wrong move. I wanted to say, well, obviously, I'm coming from a fan's perspective, but also... Put him out there. He's young. He's 19 years old. Let him run. Let him jump. Because if you're scared of the injury, well, the injury will happen. I've always been like that. Don't be scared of that. And I understand the franchise. He's a franchise and he's missed so many games. I would just go ahead, young fella, play. I would have played in about 30 minutes. I thought 30 minutes was fine. About six minutes, uh, uh, six and six. Pretty much, uh, and then you played them probably about the whole entire fourth quarter or the, from the three-minute mark, I mean, from the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter on down to the rest of the game, I would have had them like that. Uh, so that's just my opinion. I figured I, I figured they should have played him a lot more, but he looked good. He looked good. He, he started off bad, but it wasn't his fault. It was almost like, yeah, we're just going to test you out. But, boy, when they actually wanted him to play in the fourth quarter, he got an extra bounce to, him, to himself. One from the crowd. The crowd was a frenzy. Shout out to New Orleans. You know that they're coming in deep every single time with this. And a great event. New Orleans fans show up and they show out. Uh, boy, if I would have known about Zion coming in earlier, I would have had my ticket trying to uh, see Zion Williamson play that game as well. And Spurs are like my favorite basketball team. So it was kind of perfect. But I just didn't have the time. Uh, you know, Zion was playing until last week. And I was like, eh, I don't feel like putting in my ticket and going out there. And plus, I got to work in the morning. So... No one wants to does no one don't want to do that. But Zion Williamson made me want to do that. This guy here, if that three point game goes in like it went in, and it's it's he's not gonna go four for four in every game. That's a promise. He's probably gonna shoot about six three pointers a game, uh, and he's probably gonna hit about two per game. <coughs> uh two to three, excuse me. So that's about that's about a thirty three percent to high thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight. If he can hit that. Oh, this guy is going to be deadly because you saw in the game how much attention he draws already. He literally played the first possession and the Spurs were on him looking for a lob pass. He is super uber strong. We saw him back down LaMarcus Aldridge a few times. We saw him take advantage of uh, LaMarcus Aldridge up from the paint as well. So, and LaMarcus Aldridge, is, he's a seasoned vet who's been in there, done that. He's a big dude. Uh, you know, one of the uh, best players, in, not best players in the league, but a really, really, really good player in Marcus Aldridge. And Zion was like, I'm going to back him down. I'm going to play bully ball with him. I, I like that. Oh, by the way, he went four for four from the three-point line. Will it happen every time? It will not happen every time. But, boy, now you have to play him in the three-point line. Now he can blow by these guys, and we'll see the Ducks come in pretty soon. Um, 
both teams battling for the eight seed. New Orleans and Spurs have a legitimate chance of getting that eight seed. Right now, I think uh, Memphis is holding that down with a 20 and 23 record. Uh, but maybe the Spurs pass them up. I'm not quite sure. But the Spurs and the uh, Pelicans, I think, are going to be battling for the eight seed. This Pelicans team, they're very nice to watch. They're young. They're fast. They're energetic. They don't play very good defense. But, boy, they're exciting to watch. Now you just add on the most exciting, marketable player probably in the NBA history to come into a game. You add that to this already exciting basketball team, man. I'm excited to watch the Pelicans. I'm down in Louisiana, and we all we get is Pelicans game, and I usually don't watch them. Now I'm going to watch, uh, especially when they're not on national TV. I'm going to watch those guys. I want to see Zion. I just want to see him. I'm very curious about what he does uh, and how he fits in. Obviously, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. That's going to go to John Morant. But I like the fact that they did not sit him out the whole entire year. They said, we're not going to go ahead and, and sit him out and have red shirt and hope we get another really good draft pick. No, 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 no. He's ready to play. Play him. I respect that. Zion Williamson, look, 22 points in only 18 minutes. So imagine if he did play 30 minutes. I'm just saying, imagine if he played 30 minutes. You know, 29 points, 30 points maybe. Adrenaline kicks in, you know. And it was good to hear that he played a full game of only 18 minutes. And, and uh, Coach Gentry said he was fine. He was fine, and I mean, 18 minutes, I mean, he's fine. <laughs> but still, we're talking about Zion and the, you know, we're not going to say that he's an injury-riddled guy, we, and we pray that doesn't happen for anybody in the NBA to be uh, filled with injuries, but we know that he had an injury in Duke. We know that he had an injury in preseason now, so you want to be very cautious of him. So, yes, he's doing well, and I cannot wait to see this guy play again. Zion Williamson did his thing, 22 points. Uh, he's a load in there. And these guys are going to know that quickly. He was a master at passing out of the double team already. Had some, the Pelicans had good looks. Great looks. I saw Josh Hart wide open from the uh, elbow and literally hit glass. Nothing else. Wide open, but he hit glass. And I was like, well, you are passing to Josh Hart, so good luck with that. That was J.J. Reddick. That was number net. But already i like the fact that when he gets the ball down low and they double team him he's smart enough to know where the cuts are coming from he's smart to know who to pass who's open he's smart enough to know who's uh passing to this guy to make this guy open he's smart enough already i mean literally it's his first game and i'm seeing him being double teamed hard and he's passing out a double team and making great decisions that's only going to inspire this team. And he's a good kid. All the guys on the team love him. This isn't some arrogant number one overall pick coming in and just going to dominate from day one. No, he is very humble. Although he can dominate and he should dominate. He is so humble that these guys love him. They're going to take care of him. Zion Williamson is just going to take this league by storm. It's not going to happen overnight. It's almost like this game, this one game was symbolic to Zion. You had to wait. Be patient. First quarter, second quarter, a total combined two points in the first half. Third quarter, it only gets you uh, three points in the third quarter. You're like, ah, oh, this is going to be kind of a tough game for Zion. And I can only imagine what the media is going to say about him. I'm glad he exploded for 17 straight points in the fourth quarter. Because I would have been hurt to hear, oh, this guy here only had seven points in eight, you know, blase, blase minutes. You know, I'm like, nah, look, it's the system. These... Alvin Gentry has all these guys. We're talking Brandon Ingram. Um, you're talking uh, Josh Hart. You're talking Lonzo Ball. You're talking uh, 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 the, uh, the point guard. Um, you're talking all those guys. And these guys 
have the will, the freedom to shoot the ball. And Alvin Gentry wants that because they have about 11-man rotation. They literally have 11 guys coming in and out uh, for this team. And they all pretty much have the green light to uh, uh, shoot that basketball. So they have some good guys. And so Zion Williamson is going to be passing to a lot of guys who are going to shoot a lot. It is, it is what it is until they have a full offseason to where they can basically make the team around him, around Zion. All these guys are going to shoot. J.J. Redick, you know he's going to shoot as well. So they have a green light, and Alvin Gentry is that kind of coach. He wants to have a team that he wants a team to shoot those threes. Uh, so I don't know why I was getting a holiday name all mumble bumble. I mean, I was like, <laughs> why am I, uh, 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 you know, why am I tripping on holidays names? So Drew Holiday uh, is uh, can shoot as well. So, uh, but Zion, a magnificent debut. I'm glad he hit that 17 points in a row. Just so I wouldn't hear any negativity. Kid's a good kid. I'm rooting for him as an NBA fan. I'm just rooting for him to have a good season, to end the season right. Maybe they stink into the playoffs. Maybe they don't. But they really don't care because they're just building for the future. Uh, and so far, if Zion Williamson plays like this, the way he played in the fourth quarter for all of the games when he gets healthier, the future is great for Zion Williamson. So, uh that's my talk on Zion Williamson. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, Uneducated Sports Talk. This is episode number nine of season two. And we'll be back next episode where to break down a little bit of Kansas City versus San Francisco. Break down our top five reasons why both teams are going to win the game and plus more. So if you guys have any comments or what you want to see on my show, let me know. For those who are uh, outside in the world listening, I want to thank you guys. Check out Uneducated Sports Talk podcast on Spotify. Google uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and iTunes. That is Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast, hosted by myself, Carlos Clayton. Thank you guys for uh, all the likes and all the views. And I will see you guys, and I will talk to you guys later on. This is Uneducated Sports Talk. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. As always, sports fans, you guys know what time it is. Stay smart. Stay uneducated. Peace.